Hello, welcome to IntelliCast, Season 3, Episode 37. This is Brian Lamar. Joining me today is Brian Peterson, Producer Brian. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing fine, yeah. Um, just you and I today going through some news. Should be a quick one, but we say that, and sometimes those things end up going an hour and a half, so you never know. Yeah, I know. Um, this episode brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. Um, you can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research, or IntelliCast1 on Twitter. You can call us, leave a voicemail, or you can text us, 513-401-5463. So what's going on, Brian? What do you want to talk about today? Well, I think before we kick off into the news, um, I'm looking forward to the return of hockey tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday. Some of those kind of second round exhibit like, the second round of exhibition games for this season starts oh, tonight. Oh, still exhibition. Okay. Yeah, they're just. This is the first games back, so they'll start. They'll do two games, and then they will start on Saturday. You know, for what I don't understand, and that's awesome for you that hockey's back. And I, I saw that none of the players tested positive in that first round, so that's that's a good sign. What I don't understand is why baseball. And why the NFL is not using the bubble system? I don't know. I just saw something that like MLS for the last like had for the last like nine rounds have had zero positive tests, and they're in that bubble in Orlando, similar to the NBA. Right. Like so the bubbles work. If you want to have sport, yeah, the bubbles working. Why not do it? And I mean, yeah, yeah, th- yes, NBA and MLS are down in Florida, which is a hot spot, and you have the NHL up in Canada where. I saw like Toronto had six new cases today. Yeah. Six. Okay. Edmonton, I, I think, had even less than that. So you're talking two places that are have very, very few cases, but just it it makes more sense just to do that. I understand you have to be away from your family and things like that. Um, well, I think I don't know. Figure it out. I think that right baseball. I think they, of course, really messed up in so many different ways. They could have done like a. T- two or three bubble system like cocky did. And you could have figured out a way to maybe take a break to get back to your families or something, because that is a long, you know, it's a long three months, I bet without seeing family and having a, anything close to a normal life. Um, NFL is the next one's going to try to figure this out. They usually get it right. And they also have the benefit of all the other sports trial and error, right? Like baseball, you just saw, I mean, the Marlins are decimated. Their whole, I think, seventeen players now have tested positive, and I don't know what they're going to do yet. But that's a problem. Right. And now you have to wait for the—I forget who they played this past weekend. But now you have to wait. Essentially, there's a fourteen-day waiting period on all that other team. Like, are they going to show symptoms? And but they, you can't stop them from playing because this could just be could tear through all the clubhouses. Yeah, they. I um, don't know why they all tested negative. The team they were playing, I think it was Philadelphia. They all tested negative. So I think they're okay, but I think it was the Yankees were scared to go in their clubhouse, which I don't blame them. Um, but the Marlins, I don't know what they're going to do. They were already one of the worst teams in the league, and they lost two-thirds of their team. <laughs> I mean, right. well, I guess we'll find out today. By the time you listen to this, they've probably figured out what they're going to do with baseball. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. They had the easiest bubble system. They had two, essentially Florida and Arizona, the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League. Why not just use all the practice facilities and just say, all right, depending on where your practice facility is or your spring training facility is, 
That's the team. Those are the teams you're going to play. And you just keep it that kind of bubble. You have an Arizona bubble and a Florida bubble and just do that. I don't, that, that should have been a no brainer. Yeah. You would think. And also another thing that baseball, one thing that NBA is doing, I'm not sure if hockey is doing this, but NBA is doing is they're going to have games all day when they come back on Thursday. There's like a game at noon. There's a game at three. So middle of the day, you've got sports and people are craving sports and, like, I couldn't wait to watch a random NBA game at noon sometime next week. And, like, baseball could have done the same thing, and they're, all their games are, like, normal times in the evening. There's no games on today. Like, you're missing an opportunity. I know. I, the NHL is doing the same thing. Starting on Saturday, you'll be able to watch games from noon, from pretty much 12 hours, from noon till about midnight Eastern. Right. Because you'll have games starting almost every three hours. It's, like, maybe every two hours. Noon, two yeah, like five, seven, it's not and that then hard. nine, ten o'clock games. No, it's not that hard. I don't know. It's just, and then the next thing, NFL's coming. They got to figure it out. And then college sports, which, I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I guess they ha- they have to have college football for financial reasons. They have to have college basketball for financial reasons. But if it's if we're having this much problem with people that make money doing this. We're going to put like 18 to 21 year old kids who are not getting paid through the same process. And I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. And we're doing this. I mean, I know that most people that age are very safe, right? But it's very possible someone will get very sick. It's very possible that someone has other, you know, like diabetes or other things. Like one of the Kentucky players had cancer. And I don't know, you're putting these people, these kids' lives at least some risk for our entertainment. And I can understand it at another level for professional, but at college, I don't know. Right. It's particularly with college. It's not just the athletes. It's your coaches, all the support staff that have to be there. You're putting, you're asking them to put them and their family at risk too. Yeah. And, and they're not, they're not paid as much, maybe the coaches, but the rest of those people aren't paid as much as the people working in those professional leagues. And, there's no bubble in college, right? It's the most, it's the exact opposite of a bubble in college when you're surrounded by, you know, up to 30, 40. I mean, Ohio State University has probably 40, 50,000 students. You're going to put these kids around that. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I was positive towards sports until really the Marlin situation really set it back. Um, I don't know. I, I don't feel good about it. Well, as you joked Monday, baseball season was good. Yeah. And it was over for you. Yeah. Yeah. The Reds probably have a few um, unreleased COVID patients <laughs> that they haven't officially announced yet. But yeah, it's a tough Yeah. Thing. Now, I, I just don't know how you can do college sports when it's still up in the air if even students are coming back to college. It actually might be easier to have that bubble situation if your ge- your general college student isn't going back to campus. Yeah, but then the, how do you justify that? Yeah, that's the rumor is that some colleges might only allow the athletes on campus, which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, these there's just so much money in these things. I kind of get it, but it just doesn't feel right. No. And along that same lines, I'm going to move away from sports for you because I have a COVID story to add as well. We had a bit of a COVID scare here in my household this past week. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, 
going back, my kids go to a sitter that does it out of her home. And there's one other, there's two other kids there, both from the same family. They had gone out of town on a vacation to a lake house, came back, were there a couple days, and then the older one got sick. Fever, cough, sore throat, like your top symptoms for COVID. I'm like, great. So he was out for a while, but they were already all exposed. It was about a week. He was he was out, gone for about a week, and then was back, seemed fine. I'm like, okay, well, there's we've been checking symptoms. Well, we went to my parents' house this past Saturday to celebrate my dad's birthday. My dad is considered in the high risk category. Yep. He would they were play the kids were playing in the backyard. They blew up some blow up pools. Grandpa was playing with them. We wake up Sunday morning. Blake's got a fever, sore throat, cough. Like, oh no. Yeah. So this leads into a discussion between me and my wife. All right. Cause prior to this we're like okay it's we would think okay it's a cold no big deal but with the pandemic it's like the first thought is did he get it and are we all exposed now what do we need to do do we just quarantine for the next two weeks but then we have to consider my dad who's high risk because he has to know yeah so we ended i ended up taking my son to get the covid test um he was a trooper um, did not enjoy getting that um, Q-tip shoved up his nose, pretty much tickling his brain. But he he flirted with the nurses while we were there. Um, he cried for about 10 seconds until he negotiated a popsicle with the nurse instead of a sticker. And it literally shot the t- the waterworks shut off as soon as he said, yes, he could have a popsicle. He pretty much stopped, stopped off my lap and said, let's go. But we got the results yesterday morning and it was negative. So he actually does just have a cold. So, well, that's awesome news, obviously, but I don't know. Is it, is the for, for him, the cold might be more dangerous than COVID, but for everybody else, obviously it's probably much more dangerous if he spreads it. But I don't know. This is, this is what we're going to get to is the next level of, you know, we've isolated everybody for so long. What's going to happen to our immune systems? What kind of weird colds and normal things are going to pop up that, like take out a family or a neighborhood because it's going to happen. Right. Right. And he hasn't been sick since January and it just seems weird to catch a cold in July, but that's what he's, the fever's been gone for more than a day and a half. He just essentially has a runny nose and a cough. Well, I mean, so in in a normal year, which is every year, but this year, Kids are sick all the time, right? And everybody's right. just sick all the time. And so this year is just like you're hypersensitive towards everything, right? Right. And it's like, as I said, if this was last year, wouldn't have given it a second thought. Oh, well, he's sick today. We have to keep him home Monday. Yeah. Fever's broken. Okay, he goes back. There wouldn't have been a trip to the children's hospital on a Sunday morning. Oh. To yeah. get a... That's where, that's where they do... Our pediatrician's office is located in the the hospital location near us, so they called in the test. So it was actually, it was actually pretty easy. It was results back within twenty four hours, which is quicker than a lot of other places. So I was actually pretty impressed. I saw no other people there other than staff, and it was like uh, your like skeleton crew staff as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Interesting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So 
Shall, shall we go to some market research news now? Yes, let's do that. There's some news. There is news. Um, probably the biggest story we have hit the news, when was this, yesterday morning? Or maybe Sunday morning that SAP will spin off Qualtrics and have it launch its new IPO for the platform. This is after last year where SAP acquired Qualtrics for $8 billion. What was that? The day before they did Qualtrics' right. IPO? Right. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. Who would have thought that SAP, yeah, not that long after they acquire Qualtrics, is now going to IPO it. $8 billion, and I don't know, like, we'll see what happens when they spin this off. Um, but it's amazing the moves that Qualtrics has made, which is traditionally, I mean, I, I mean, not that long ago, it was just something the college kids and college professors use. And now, you know, it's really a huge brand name inside and outside of marketing research. $8 billion is, I mean, that's got to be one of the more valuable names in all of research, if not I mean, it's definitely up way up there. Um, just kind of came out of nowhere. So interesting. Yeah. Um, the question will be how much ownership will SAP retain? Are they just going to spin it off entirely to make get back their investment? How much uh, will Ryan Smith still own? Yep. Is he going to take some of that $8 billion he got, buy it back, maybe, be, maybe own like 20 30%? Enough that he has a major, at least a right. bigger say than anybody else. Right. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, who's going to be kind of running the show now? Is it SAP? Is it Ryan Smith? I guess it'll still be Ryan. He's proven to be a really good leader um, for Qualtrics and a good thought leader for the industry as well. Yeah, I can't imagine that relationship between them and SAP is going to dissolve. That's probably opened up a lot of doors in terms of software integrations. Yes, absolutely. If you have SAP in the back back office, you'll want Qualtrics to do this. And oh, look, it all integrates. Right. But you have to imagine SAP is probably going to have a few seats on the board and probably handpick some of the other ones. Yep. Yep. All right. Another story is. Sararis Private Capital, the parent company of InCrowd, has acquired Survey Healthcare Globus as part of their launch of a new company called Apollo Intelligence Corporation. Yes, I mean, we just talked about Survey Healthcare Globus. I mean, that's a pretty relatively very new acquisition, which was um, um, Omar Globus and Survey Healthcare combining, joining forces, and now um, being purchased already and a new company called Apollo Intelligence Corporation, is that what they're called? Um, yes. I mean, just, I mean, the news just keeps flying with some of these companies. By the time you're acquired, you're, you're acquired again. And so, man, I can't imagine being part of some of these deals because it's just one thing after another, especially with, like, I feel like Schlesinger has been in the news forever and LRW in the news and now Qualtrics, which we talked about on the podcast forever, back in the news. And here we are having another acquisition acquired already. It's just... I mean, I guess now's the time to kind of cherry pick who you want to buy, right? Right. I guess I'll. This is more of an existential question for you. Yeah. Is it because we've gone for a few months now, seeing not a whole lot of mergers, acquisitions, IPO type stuff Oof. in the market research space since 
since essentially the states went on lockdown in mid-March. Yeah. Now we're starting to see now we're starting to see it come out over the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, with that, is it just people decided, well, I'm not gonna do it. I want to wait it out, see what happens. And now is it kind of in maybe that maybe it just in the overall world that hey, COVID's gonna be around a while. We're gonna have to learn to live with it. We can't postpone all our work. We can't postpone everything to wait this out. We just gotta keep on keeping on. Yeah, I think that we've we've kind of we've kind of figured out what's we've settled, right? I think we're stable as an industry and as an economy at this point. And so there's gonna be companies and industries that are ripe for the picking. And some were probably already having challenges before that people I mean, some of these um, equity firms and investment firms, capital companies are gonna they're gonna they're gonna go out and find somebody, right? And especially this seems like a very strategic one since it's healthcare related. I think that you know healthcare is obviously dominating the news with all of the you know the vaccine trials and all the treatments and you know discussions around that. And now that obviously there's gonna be research around that as well. I think this is a little bit more strategic and. Um, that's just my opinion. I don't know. I don't really know a lot about this world, but that's how I feel about it, that the industry is kind of stabilized and there's going to be some deals being made. Yeah, I can see that with the economy. It, I would agree with your statement as stabilized. Yeah. Still, still volatile, but- um, I wouldn't say it's growing, but I would say it's starting to stabilize. You have you. We see the ups and downs on a daily basis. And I think with everything going on, there's still impact particularly in certain industries, airlines probably being the biggest. Yeah. Because no one's, you have states with different restrictions and countries with different restrictions. I know international travels almost at, is like less than 10% right now. Even domestic travel. If I, if we're to leave Ohio and go to New York, we have to quarantine for 14 days. But if I, if I went to Florida and came back, I have to quarantine here for 14 days. So that leads into, do you even want to go on a trip? Yeah, um, I think this is the time period where, we've seen this before, where billionaires will be made, a billion dollar ideas will be formed because of, this is an opportunity, and people that want to invest in companies, they're going to find which companies are going to succeed, maybe not this year or next year, but longer term. Um, and so that's where people are going to put their money. People are probably salivating at the opportunity to invest in certain companies, knowing that an idea that didn't even nobody even thought of four months ago will be worth billions of dollars in a year or two. That's just going to happen. So people are going to try to take advantage right. of that, right? Oh, I agree. Yeah, with how people are going to – how one, how people are going to communicate now. It's how we're going to consume media and eat, travel or lack thereof and even just how people work. You and I have talked offline about different industries that are going to go up and down. Like, we don't. Would you want to be in commercial real estate six months from now? I wouldn't. Yeah, probably not. No, that's going to be a nightmare. I mean, we have needs, not just once. We will probably have needs that we didn't even think of six months ago that people are building for us right now and designing and executing. As we speak, and that's the beauty of America, honestly, is that we're the one of the at least the few countries that are set up to take it in some ways it's bad, but take advantage of the situation and 
um, push it forward and give people what they want. Um, you'll see these things pop up all the time. Yeah. All right. That I think that was a great answer to my question. We kind of went off on a tangent there for a little bit. Let's tangent. Yeah. All right. Our next story. Kantar reveals Project Moonshot, launching an industry-wide advertising effectiveness measurement platform with fa- foundational partners including Google, Roku, Pandora, and Anzu. I have no idea what that last one is. Yeah, I don't know Anzu either, which means I'm getting old. But I have heard of Google, Roku, and Pandora. Um that also have cookie-less measurement partnerships with Dish, Pinterest, Snap, Spotify, Twitter, operational partnerships, or in advanced testing with nine of the top 10 digital publishers and 15 of the top 20 apps. So this is this seems like they're making some moves um, here. And this is a world that I don't really know a whole lot about, this whole advertising effectiveness. And then, you know, we've talked a little bit about this before, especially with other people about how that industry is going to change in the next couple of years with cookies and things like that. Um, And, you know, all the privacy legislation that's going on, which is another topic we should probably talk about soon Um, and how we're measuring ads and how we're using personal data and things like that. But as face level, this, this seems like a good deal. Um, Some innovation from Kantar. Um, I'll I'll be interested to see how this plays out. They also got a lot of commentary from the Roku and all their other, partners from this so it's um interesting news i see this as a little bit of them playing catch up with as you have more streaming platforms and people are more street whether it's streaming music streaming video anything like that the ads on there the kind of ad measurement on that has still been the old way it's easy to measure the ads on tv and even on like pop-up ad they're not pop-up ads but your Google ads and things like that. But how do you know if I have a, if I have an ad that's shown on my Roku startup menu, how well that did Yeah, stuff that pops up isn't to everybody. So I love this idea because now you're going to get a more holistic view of your advertising because I'm not just running TV commercials or print ads or even digital ads anymore. I might be having, voice commercials on certain Pandora on certain streams on Pandora uh, Roku based on the channels you've downloaded. Yeah. Very, very targeted ads. And you see that now, like I have a Roku and very, very targeted ads. You can kind of, if you know what you're looking for, you can kind of see them when they come up that it's been targeted based upon behaviors or your demographics or whatever. Yeah. This, that's kind of interesting. The next phase of ad, measurement is all of the targeted ads and who knows what kind of i would love to maybe we should have somebody on that knows this world better about all i bet there's all kinds of interesting things you're doing with ab testing and measurement and and all kinds of stuff right yeah i agree that even goes into your like streaming ratings like how how does how does hulu or netflix know how many i guess it's probably easier for them to know how many people are watching their shows than say like abc knows right yeah, if they're cross platforms and oh gosh, I, and also like tracking purchase behavior from ad to purchase, um, the journey is of what they, is what yeah. they typically call it is um, that'll be interesting to see because we're getting closer to that that you know we'll, some of the advertisers will soon know that they put an ad in front of somebody and then later they made a purchase of something 
um, the connect the dots. And that's when um, a lot of money will be spent. If you can start truly measuring the ROI and seeing if you can, you know, convince people to buy your product and see how long that takes and how many ads it takes and what platforms are the best. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I am in total agreement on that. That is very cool. Uh, but, but also next basic. story. <laughs> oh, that's the counterpoint of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, our next story, OP4G has selected clean ID as its new survey fraud prevention solution. Yeah, interesting. So um, Clean ID, who we had those people on not too long ago, and um, OP4G, we're certainly friends of the podcast, and we've worked with them for a long time. Um, great global panel, um, and also philanthropic, philanthropic is how they describe themselves, and which they certainly are. And um, they, did, they, they say they did some side-by-side tests with all currently available fraud technologies, and that is a lot of work because I'm involved in some similar research myself, and if they're saying that they did side-by-sides with all currently available fraud technologies, that is a ton of work. So good for them, choosing Clean ID, um, nice press release for them, and some you know some good quotes from um, Terrence McCarran, who's the CEO of Opinion Around, and Frank Hayden, who's the COO of OP4G. Yeah, and in our final story, Ipsos has posted their first half revenue uh, it was 786 million euros, which was down 13% from last year. Uh, they came right out and said it that, that the decline was due to their second quarter being heavily affected by the quote, havoc wreaked by COVID-19. Yeah. Um, yeah, they talked a little bit about payroll costs are down 3.2%, uh, lost, I guess it's only about 700 employees out of, you know, over 18,000. And so that's that's not a huge amount. That could just be some restructuring. You wouldn't necessarily see that in a year. Um, this, yes, you said salary reduction measures, um, probably getting things in line. One of the things that, that I found interesting was um, they spent 15.4 million euros on um, mystery shopping. One of them was mystery shopping, the merits mystery shopping, which probably who knows what happened with mystery shopping in four months, but not, not much. So that was, they probably bought high on that one and lost a little bit, but you know, they're a huge company. They'll connect all these things at some point. Let me ask this with mystery shopping. <laughs> yeah. Around here, we had a lot of stores closed down unless you were an essential business. Yeah. You're not doing mystery shopping at any of the businesses that are closed. And for those essential retailers, do they give a crap about what mystery shoppers are saying at the moment? Because I've been in Kroger during this time. They're not hurting for business when they're an essential and everything else is closed. I have, um, I have inside knowledge on this, by the way. Okay. Um, a major local retailer, um, grocery retailer, <laughs> national big brand did not stop its mystery shopping in the past few months. Um, which surprised me. Um, they did adjust it a little bit, but getting feedback from service from their perspective was probably as much or more important during this time period because of the challenges that every retailer is facing. And so they've continued it. Um, mystery shoppers were still out in full force at many of the 
um, retailers that I'm aware of and still continues. And that this is a spite to all of the challenges, like I, I mentioned. Um, so, you know, I think there were a lot of adjustments made to secret mystery shopping, but yeah, it still continues. And there, but still, there could not be anywhere near the revenue that that whole little niche um, industry did. Right. Particularly since you had a chunk of, well, you even say larger brands like sporting goods stores, things like that, that aren't, weren't considered essential, just be closed. Oh, yeah. There's, there, I'm sure that there was a lot of them that were closed, so they weren't being shopped. A lot of the brands probably did cut it when they're cutting um, budgets. And also, a lot of the mystery shoppers, I mean, I would assume a lot of them refused to do it, right, um, during this right. period. Why, why would you go shop at Home Depot and make $9 on a mystery shop? And in some ways, for a lot of people, you're risking your life doing so. So Right, when you were supposed to limit right. being out of your house, yeah. Yeah, for nine bucks, you know, I wouldn't do it. A lot of people probably would. Um, but yeah, interesting story, though. That is an interesting story, and I love that you had the inside knowledge. I have a little bit of inside knowledge in the mystery shopping world. I, I know people. Well, that is all of our market research news. Um, we do have a couple of webinars coming up. Do you want to promote those, Brian? Yeah, so we have one. If you're listening to this, hurry up and sign up. We have one Thursday, July 30th. It's at 11 a.m., and I'm super excited for this one. It's Jeremy Sogby. He's going to be leading it, but we'll be joining. Brian will be producing, as always. It's Thursday the 30th at 11 a.m., and its title is A Prologue to the Future of America, and it's really some research that we've partnered on them, and it's really our sample expertise with the Zogby just historical knowledge of putting all the craziness that's happened in the world in the past few months in historical perspective, using research, but also connecting the dots to things that have happened in the past. And Jeremy and his whole family are geniuses around this topic. That's what they've spent their whole lives. That's their passion doing. And so I would recommend it, not just from a market research standpoint, for, but join this webinar just to try to put what's happened in the, in the last few months in historical pref, in, um, historical um, relevancy, I guess, in perspective. Um, what do you want to add to that one, Brian? You're pretty involved in this. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be really interesting, and our webinar, the sign-up link will be in the show notes. As you mentioned, I am pretty involved with this. It seems like I meet with Jeremy almost twice a week now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, this one's going to be a good one. It'll be cool. We'd love to hear feedback on it and questions on it, so please sign up. Um, the other one is next week. That's August 5th. That's a Wednesday at 2 p.m. This one's just um, us at EMI. It's Brian and I doing um, some data quality webinar. So we've done a lot about data quality the last few months. We're putting out blogs out um, every few days around data quality based upon the research on research that we do. And so this webinar's title is Data Quality, Why Should You Care? It's Again, it's Wednesday, August 5th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Love to have you join that one. I mean, if, you don't, if you're not joining this webinar, you probably don't even care about quality. That's how I feel about it. That's right. So, yeah, two webinars coming up back-to-back. That's, that's a lot of work on your end. I know. I'm probably going to need a vacation after next week. <laughs> yes, and you're going to be in the office. Oh, my gosh, you're in the office this week. I forgot about that. I know. The whole reason we had – that was the other reason we had to go get my son a COVID test to see because we were going to have to figure out if I wasn't allowed to be in the office what we were going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, everybody's excited. There will be four people in the office on um, Thursday during the webinar. Um, 
Should be fun. Four of us, which is the second most I think we've had. Well, I guess we just shut it down. We hit the 30-minute mark, though. I, I know. Uh, it, the 12-minute open helped. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. We have some great guests coming up soon. Um, we're still trying to crank these out one or two a week. And, Brian, always appreciate your uh, producing and scheduling and a lot of the um, everything you do behind the scenes. And thank you to our listeners. Again, um, if you want to be a guest or you have any um, ideas on guests or, or segments or topics or news stories we missed, you want to promote yourself, let us know. The best way is probably um, email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com or text us 513-401-5463. And thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.